Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Wednesday, September 20th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, the Guardians uh, tried to mount a rally yesterday uh, and uh, scored a couple of runs late, but uh, in the end could not uh, pull off a comeback, drop their second straight to Kansas City on the verge of uh, being swept uh, in uh, one of their final road uh, series of the season against the Royals, who have lost 102 games already this year. Uh, what did you see out of Logan Allen and the Guardians in uh, yesterday's 7-6 loss? Yeah, in uh, Logan Allen's words, own words, he didn't have it. It was not the best night, and, uh, you know, he pitched like it. He, he, you know, he, he only lasted three innings. You know, he continues to have problems in the first inning with the long ball, gave up his ninth home run in the first inning, He's given up, I believe, 15 overall. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's a bit, you can't, you, you got to change that percentage next year. I mean, overall, he's had a, he's had a really a, a strong showing for a rookie, but you can't keep giving up home runs in the first inning and putting your team behind the eight ball. Does it feel like, uh, you know, he's, he's sort of hit that wall and, and maybe is, is running out of gas a little bit here uh, at the end of, uh, of his rookie campaign? It looked like it last night, Joe, but, you know, I thought, you know, this, this previous start against San Francisco, he pitched pretty well against them. You know, one run in five innings, uh, you know, uh, five strikeouts. Uh, I, I think, you know, part of it was uh, was uh, Francona just wanted to get him out of there. He didn't want him to throw 100, inning, 100 you know, pitches in four or five innings, uh, but he was getting knocked around, too, and his buddy is uh, – the kid he grew up with, his friend he grew up with in Florida that were teammates for a real long time, MJ Melendez, did most of the damage. He hit the two-run homer against him in the first inning and had an RBI single in uh, the in the third. Uh, so, you know, that's no way to treat your buddy. Right. Uh, and that's uh, – it's interesting uh, to – the familiarity there between the two of them and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're probably going to be uh, in the rotation and in the lineup for these two teams for the next couple of years to come. So it'll be interesting to watch uh, that matchup and those battles back and forth between Logan Allen and MJ Melendez. 
Yeah, and uh, you know Melendez is turning into a heck of a player. Uh, you know he started out as a catcher, now he's in right field. He made an error yesterday, but you know that was his 15th home run yesterday. And uh, Kansas City's got a lot of good young-looking players. Uh, and it, I guess you know it, it's weird, Joe. You know Cleveland came in here with a little more to play for uh, than than the Royals, but uh, yet, like we said earlier, you know the Royals were eliminated a long time ago. They lost 102 games, but they're playing with a little more uh, pep in their step than than Cleveland is right now. Yeah, they've they've sort of uh, you know they're looking ahead to next season. Uh, they're they're sort of really sort of trying to build momentum for that, and and you could tell they're they're hitting uh, pretty well. Uh, Mekataro's, uh, you know, background as a hitting coach, and and I'll tell you what, they're 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 building some nice young players uh, at at the plate. It's always just been the pitching uh, with Kansas City, and and all their attempts to try and uh, you know develop a, a good pitching staff, and they just haven't been able to do that uh, over the last several years. Uh, no matter what they do in the in the draft and and whatever, uh, they haven't been able to find the formula. Uh, to to figure out uh, the pitching side of things. Yeah, and, uh, you know, not to discount what uh, Cleveland did last night. Uh, you know, Josh Naylor drove in two runs to give him, you know, a career high, 93. But uh, three, of, three of the younger players, uh, Bo Naylor, Josh's younger brother, Stephen Kwan, and Andres Jimenez had big big nights as well. You know, Bo hit his ninth home run. And he likes he likes Kansas City pitching, Joe. Mm-hmm. That's that was his fourth fourth of the season against uh, Kansas City. He also drew uh, drew two walks that were kind of you know that tells you how he's developing as a uh, as a hitter. Yeah, that's uh, Bo's going to get a chance to play against Kansas City uh, a lot over the next several years, and and I think uh, he's he's looking forward to that opportunity as well. Uh, his his. Uh, uh, career, I guess, uh, this season, his his numbers against the Royals have been uh, outstanding, especially in that ballpark. He's got a, a two-home run game in that park. Uh, and, you know, just the, the opportunity for him to keep playing there, I think, is is something he's got to be looking forward to. And uh, you mentioned Stephen Kwan. What, did he, get, he reached base five times uh, last night? Uh, a single, double, triple, a couple of walks. And, uh, you know, this is, again, uh, it's the Quan nightmare for uh, uh, for Kansas City. Uh, it started off as his first series of his rookie year, and, it, and he hasn't stopped against the Royals. Yeah, he, he had an excellent night uh, as a leadoff hitter. Uh, three walks, Joe, and a double and a triple. He drove in two runs, uh, brought him back to within, uh, you know, kind of keyed the rallies. Uh, Two-run double, or I'm sorry, uh, three-run double in the uh, sixth. Uh, then he, he walks in the, in the eighth inning, you know, and uh, followed by uh, a Jose Ramirez single and really gave him a chance to, um, put, you know, pull ahead after uh, Bo Naylor's leadoff home run in the inning made it seven to six. But uh, the, the next three batters were struck, you know, went down in a row swinging uh, by uh, James MacArthur, a guy that came in, uh, and, and really, you know, he saved Monday's game and he really won uh, won uh, Tuesday night's game with that performance in in the eighth inning against the uh, kind of the heart of uh, Cleveland's order. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Andres Jimenez as well. Uh, this is one of Cleveland's hottest hitters right now uh, for for as much as uh, Jose Ramirez has 
has been sort of uh, up and down over the last uh, 30 games or so. Uh, Andres Jimenez has been outstanding uh, in, in his last 30 games. Last 30 games, uh, Jimenez batting 268 with uh, 13 runs batted in, a couple of home runs, a uh, bunch of extra base hits. Uh, but just in, in the last two weeks, uh, 379 average uh, over his last uh, 15 games. So in uh, a, a 517 slugging percentage, uh, Jimenez, for, for as, as lost as he looked at the plate earlier in the year, he's, he's looked pretty, uh, pretty with it uh, over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he stole his 30th base last night as well. Uh, only the uh, third uh, Cleveland second baseman to have a 30, a 30 steal season. Joins Robbie Alomar and uh, Jason Kipnis in that regard. Um, for the season, uh, the fifth player, this is according to uh, the notes, the post-game notes, the fifth player in franchise history to, to record at least 25 doubles, 30 steals at age, at his age 24 or younger season. He joins uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson, Brago Roth, Von Hayes, and Grady Sizemore. So uh, not bad company. And that was his eighth stolen base in September, Joe. And only Bobby Witt Jr., uh, Kansas City's own, has stolen more. Uh, and and all that time and throughout that, uh, you know, the whole season, really, uh, he's played uh, top-level gold glove defense at second base. Uh, we've, we've seen it time and again just over the last several weeks. But uh, he's ranked right now uh, at his position uh, in the American League as the most defensive runs saved. Uh, that's going to put him in the gold glove conversation once again at second base. Uh, you know, don't know if he's going to be the favorite uh, there, but, uh, you know, as far as defensively, he's he's once again turned in uh, one of the best uh, defensive seasons uh, for uh, a Cleveland second baseman in a long time. Yeah, definitely. He is. You know, we've said this before. Uh, you know, he's the best second baseman I've seen in, in a Cleveland uniform since Robbie Alomar played, you know, what from 99 to 2001 around in there. Um, just, uh, you know. He, you know, not, there's nothing he can't do, uh, you know, defensively. And the, 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 the big question to me, Joe, is, you know, if, if they aren't satisfied with, uh, with, uh, uh, you know, areas, uh, going forward as a shortstop, do you move, do you move him at, him and as to shortstop next season? You know, we were talking to, uh, we were talking to the GM, uh, Mike Chernoff before the game and he said that's a possibility you know it's something they'll discuss over the winter uh but you know you, he's he's so good at second base i don't know but and they, they believe he'd, he'd be just as good as shortstop because you know he's played there before um you know do you do that and who who, who knows fill fill the hole with somebody else at second base maybe you move arias there you know, or do you weaken the defense if you if you uh, you know move him to short and move Arias to second base because you know Arias is a solid defender with a great great arm. Well, yeah, and and that it just doesn't make any sense to me. I think the one thing that would keep Jimenez at second base and and Arias at short is the arm. We we've seen uh, the just the difference in arm strength. Uh, it's it's noticeable when when you see a ball, uh, you know. Turn, uh, turn, just turning a double play. Uh, Arias has just a cannon that he can unload, and we didn't see that with Ahmed Rosario uh, 
Jimenez has a strong arm. He has a quick release. He's he's got all the tools and, and can play shortstop uh, probably very well. But uh, I don't know. Just that the difference is the the cannon on the right arm of uh, of Arias, and and that there is a difference there. Obviously, Arias has the stronger throwing arm, and uh, it makes no sense to put him at second base and and Jimenez at short. Uh, if, if that's the case, uh, if you open up second base, you open up the possibilities for guys like Brian Rocchio, guys like Juan Brito. And, and we can, we can get into talking about them as well as we talk about some of this minor league stuff here. But, uh, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, Tito has mentioned a couple of times that they like Jimenez at second base. Uh, you got to wonder if, if, Jimenez himself has those aspirations to to move over to shortstop, or or if he's he's comfortable where he is right now. Yeah, you know, and I think uh, I think he definitely is comfortable at second base. He obviously looks comfortable at second base. But my question is, Joe, can you play? Can you keep playing Arias there with mm-hmm. a guy that that's hitting went into last night's game hitting 084 against left handed left handed pitching? I mean. Can you live with that? Or is that just a quirk of the season? You know, I guess, you know, eventually he's probably, you know, you would hope, you know, he's going to find a middle ground where he's hitting like 288 against righties, but but lefties kind of wear him out. So, you know, is, is that enough to, to move him off shortstop? Yeah, reverse splits like that. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's an outlier or not. And maybe if you give him the, the starting shortstop job from day one and, and he – you know, you put it in the back of his mind that he doesn't have to worry about, you know, platooning or anything like that. Then maybe that changes things and changes his approach. But uh, yeah, something definitely has to uh, change. Maybe he takes the uh, the Josh Naylor approach in the off season and you know, you know, goes against uh, left-handed pitching uh, so much that you know he has no no alternative other than to hit uh, off of lefties and and just to see how that goes. Uh, but you know, something needs to change in, in terms of, uh, Gabriel Arias's approach, if he's going to be the shortstop uh, of the future and moving forward. Uh, we mentioned minor league action, uh, last night, Tristan McKenzie on the mound for the Columbus Clippers goes three and two thirds innings, uh, gives up some runs, gives up a couple of home runs, uh, is around 60 pitches. Uh, and, and, you know, from, from all indications, everything came through. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you know we haven't talked to anybody. We'll talk to a uh, pitching coach, uh, Carl Willis, today to see you know get the final word on it. But I would imagine if if uh, Tristan made it through that start, you know he'll be joining the team either today or or uh, tomorrow back in Cleveland, and uh, you know they'll be he'll be slotted in to uh, start one of these games with these last ten games, uh, like uh, Shane Bieber is Shane Bieber. We'll uh, start, against, start against uh uh the Orioles on Friday. Uh, it'll be his first start since uh, July 9th. Uh he came through his rehab on Sunday with Columbus in, in good shape and he threw a bullpen yesterday. So it's that that'll be exciting to see uh um you know Beaver back on the mound and hopefully Tristan follows suit. Yeah, uh the Guardians uh you know need to go 9 and 1 down the stretch in order to ensure a, a winning record uh, uh for for Terry Francona in, in what appears to be his final season uh on the in the Guardians dugout. Uh so, you know, they need uh McKenzie and Beaver to come out and 
uh, you know, pitch well against uh, the Orioles. Uh, you know, who knows what the results are going to be in those games. The Orioles still have uh, plenty to play for uh, after locking up a, a postseason spot. But, uh, you know, it, you never know. It, it, it could go either way with uh, with this. The Orioles offense could, could wear those guys out or, uh, you know, maybe we see – uh, uh, these guys come back and, and, and pitch well in, in what could be uh, their really their only uh, final remaining starts of the season for uh, for the Guardians. Uh, just uh, really quickly about last night's game in Columbus, Kyle Manzardo also a couple of home runs. Uh, the, the Guardians or the, the Clippers were, were able to put together a, a lineup of guys who were, you know, all uh, up and down the order looked like uh, they could pretty much uh, playing the big leagues next year or, or contributing some way on the, the big league roster. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Rocchio was leading off. Uh, Gonzalez, uh, you know, Oscar was hitting second. Uh, he had a, he had a hit. Then Manzardo was, uh, you know, batting third. He went three for four with two homers, three RBIs. You know, uh, Rodriguez was hitting cleanup. You know, uh, uh, John Kenzie Noel, uh, Valera, uh, Martinez and, and Juan Brito, who just got called up from Double uh, A Akron, started at second base. Brito had, you know, had really a solid season at at Akron, and uh, and uh, I, th- I believe he started at Lake County too. But you know, he's put together really a, a strong season. So you know, he should he'll probably be in in big league camp uh, next next year, I would think, and get some playing time. Yeah, he's definitely going to get a, a an, an invitation to uh, big league spring training next year. Uh, this is a guy who they got in exchange for, for Nolan Jones, uh, in a trade in the off season, uh, Nolan Jones and what he's been able to do for, uh, Colorado, uh, this, this year, uh, you know, it puts a little pressure on, uh, Juan Brito to, uh, to maybe be productive, uh, yeah. when he gets his chance, because, uh, looks like the, uh, the guardians, uh, gave up on, a, a prospect in Nolan Jones, uh, who, who can, or maybe it's just a product of uh, Coors Field. Who knows uh, what uh, what Jones has been able to do? Uh, but but Brito definitely uh, it, probably a candidate for minor league player of the year for the Guardians this year at this point uh, is is Juan Brito. Yeah, you know, and uh, Chris Antonetti when we talked about him really you know said some nice things about him. Uh, I, th- I believe he's a switch hitter, Joe. Right? Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. good eye at the plate. You know, when we saw him in spring training, all he did was walk. So you know, he knows how to get on base. Uh, he's improved defensively. He's added some uh, power to to his game too. So yeah, definitely a guy to you know a guy to watch and uh, see how he do- com- you know finishes the AAA season and then uh, goes to spring training. Yeah, and uh, we mentioned uh, Shane Bieber starting on Friday. That uh, that move was announced uh, in in conjunction with uh, uh, Matt Moore, uh, the left-hander who was acquired from the Angels uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, or just before the September first uh, playoff roster deadline. Uh, Matt Moore was placed on uh, irrevocable waivers and uh, picked uh, actually placed on waivers Sunday and picked up by. Uh, the Marlins. So Matt Moore heads to Miami uh, for the final couple of, uh, you, you know, final dozen games of the season or so. Uh, and but he won't be eligible to uh, play in the postseason if the Marlins should make it. Uh, the the Guardians sort of gave Moore a, a heads up this time if, uh, you know, that he was being placed on waivers because uh, the last time he was uh, sent packing from 
from Los Angeles kind of hit him by surprise. Yeah, that's what, uh, you know, Mike Chernoff uh, explained to us uh, yesterday, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, they wanted to kind of bring him into the fold and let him know what was going on. So he wasn't caught, you know, by surprise again. So, you know, they talked to him over the weekend. They said they were going to, you know, told him they were putting him on waivers on uh, on Sunday. Uh, uh, Francona said his bags were packed. Uh, when he got the call mon- uh, yesterday, so he was he figured he was going to get claimed. He was right, and uh, now he goes to his third team in about two weeks. Joe, this guy's head has got to be spinning. Uh, you know, I feel you know everyone thinks big league ball players have the gl- most the greatest life in the world, and in a lot of ways they do. But uh, your your fu- your your uh, your career is not your own in this day and age. You know, free agency of waivers. I mean, you can come and go uh, quickly. You know, what did uh, Mudcat Grant say? Mudcat said, uh, <laughs> ball players like train cars. They come and they go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and, and, you know, Matt Moore was a good guy, easy to talk to. And uh, the the thing that struck me about him the first time we met him was how much he looks like Aaron Savali. I thought it was, it was a doppelganger uh, situation. You walked in, he was, uh, and he had the same sort of demeanor and personality as, as Savali too, kind of quiet, didn't say much. Uh, uh, so it was like we, uh, you know, we were substituting uh, Bizarro Aaron Savali, uh, Bizarro Aaron Savali, left handed, uh, but, you know, had sort of the same same eyes and same, uh, you know, demeanor and personality as, as Savali as well. Uh, all right. I uh, want to let our uh, listeners know uh, if, uh, if you want to keep updated on moves like the Matt Moore situation and, uh, uh, other uh, roster uh, changes or developments, and you know, as we're getting ready for the uh, the big coaching uh, search in the off season, uh, the latest news will be on uh, Subtext, our subscription uh, texting service. Uh, log on to cleveland.com/subtext. It's three ninety nine a month uh, to subscribe, uh, or you can send a text message to two one six two zero eight four three four six to subscribe that way. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, all right. Uh, last thing before we get going here, uh, Hoinze, you talked to, to Mike Chernoff uh, yesterday and, uh, you know, you got into the weeds a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the future and, you know, what the possibilities are with, with some of these guys on the coaching staff. Uh, you know, Tito's had a, a coaching staff that's it, it, it for the most part, it's it, there's been a lot of consistency over the years. Uh, you know, Brad Mills was his bench coach for a while. Uh, you know, now it's DeMarlo Hale. But these are guys who've been with him in other places for a long time. Uh, Carl Willis has sort of, you know, he's he's been uh, the pitching coach in Cleveland before Tito. Uh, he was the, you know, the natural fit to, to come back and, and work with him uh, here in uh, Cleveland after um, Mickey Calloway was, uh, you know, uh, left. Uh, Chris Valleca, you know, the, the, so the sort of the newer face on the staff, but, uh, you know, a guy that they were very high on, uh, in bringing him in, uh, as the hitting coach. Uh, these are all, um, you know, guys whose, whose future in Cleveland is, is sort of, uh, in on hold right now, uh, sort of up in the air, depending on, you know, where, where things end up with Tito and, and where the, the coaching search goes. Yeah, you know, and it, it's and it's certain that Tito's stepping down for sure. Uh, you know, he talked to, uh, he touched on the subject le- yesterday, and this guy sounds like a Francona sounds like a guy that's happy that he's made up his mind that 
you know, he needs some time away from the game. He's got to get healthy. So I think, you know, there's, and when that happens, when a manager leaves, whether he, you know, by his own volition or, you know, he is, he is asked to leave by the organization, you know, the coaching staff is in, uh, you know, is in a little bit of turmoil and, uh, uh, you know, Chernoff admitted that. He said uh, Antonetti and him himself have talked to each one of Francona's coaches. They've tried to answer as many questions as they can, but they just don't know. They just can't give them a de- definitive answer because they don't know who the new manager is going to be. And, you know, they're going to collaborate with the new manager in building a, a coaching staff. And, uh, you know, the, the, obviously the guy coming in, the new guy coming in is going to have some sway on who his coaches are going to be. Yeah, in in your experience, and you've been through you know many regime changes here in Cleveland over the last thirty eight years. Uh, is there is there something to be said for retaining some of these guys and 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 make keeping consistency so that the the young guys in the clubhouse you know have that that sort of trust that they they don't have to to start over and build with uh, a new uh, a new head guy and and all new. Uh, coaches as well, uh, or or is it easier just to rip the bandaid and, and start fresh and and you know bring in a whole new staff? Uh, I'm I'm sure fans in Cleveland you know would feel very comfortable if Sandy Alomar and Mike Sarbaugh remained on staff, but are, are those possibilities or are those guys you know young enough and early enough in their careers where they could look elsewhere and and be attractive candidates for for other jobs within the league? Well, I think, you know, first of all, we got to figure out who the new manager is. Is he coming from inside the organization? If he does, I think Sandy would be a candidate. But if he comes from outside, then, you know, you kind of weigh, well, is this guy a first-year manager? How much experience does he have? How much is he a veteran guy that, you know, would like to bring in two or three staff members of his own? You know, usually in the past, you know, the – the in, if they come go from outside the organization, I think you, depending on the guy, the new manager's experience, you know that that kind of is a prerequisite of uh, how, you know how much sway he has on building his own staff. I would think if if Sandy's not the manager, I would think like you said, Joe. I think they'd like him. There's some guys, organizational guys, that you'd like to keep, you know. And Sandy's mm-hmm. probably one of them. Sarby's probably one of them. Carl Willis, I would think, is, you know, he's had a couple different tenures here as pitching coach, you know, you'd like to have. But, you know, so how much how much sway does a new manager have will will uh, go a long way in building this new coaching staff? Yeah, I, a brand new, uh, you know, first year guy from a younger guy from outside the organization. You know, you might need uh, some some more veteran type uh uh, assistants and, and, and coaches in, the, in that regard. So, you know, who knows? Uh, I, I start to think about guys like, uh, you know, the newer or the more recent guys on staff, like, um, you know, the Joe Torres, the assistant pitching coach, you know, what his opportunities are going to be if, if he decides to go elsewhere. Or, um, you know, even, uh, even a guy like Victor Rodriguez, uh, that's a guy that you sort of, you know, you, you might want to you know pay him a little extra to stick around if that's possible, because this is the guy who keeps uh, Jose Ramirez uh, the most comfortable in his skin. So uh, you, you got to start thinking about the players on staff uh, or, or, or on the roster as well and, and their relationships with some of these coaches. And you want to get the most out of 
uh, a guy like a Jose Ramirez, well, if that's the case, then then Victor Rodriguez, uh, you know, better be in consideration for any sort of uh, uh, spot on the uh, on the major league roster or on, on the major league coaching staff. Yeah, and we've got to talk about DeMarlo Hale, who's done, you know, him and Sandy have done really kind of filled in well for for Tito when he's had his various health problems over the years. Uh, you know, uh, DeMarlo managed a, a half a season in two, the, the second half of the season in 2021. Is he, is he uh, you know, a, a candidate to manage to uh, replace Tito? Tito brought him in when, uh, uh, you know, as a bench coach, um, so, you know, from Boston, their days, they were together in their days in Boston. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be really kind of an interesting, uh, interesting storyline to follow. Yeah, there are several storylines to follow in this offseason. And, yeah, we remember the, uh, the the end of the 2021 season with uh, with DeMarlo Hale and and talking to him every day. And, uh, you know, there was a, a level of comfort there as well. So we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. All right, Hoinsie, that's going to wrap up today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, afternoon game, getaway game in uh, Kansas City today, uh, and then uh, the, the Guardians will be back home to open up the final homestand of the season uh, when they take on the Baltimore Orioles on Thursday. Uh, we will talk to you later. Good deal, Joe. 